So I'm going to ask our listeners to think of their favourite animal. You've got a few seconds, and I think I know the answer from our guest today, who is Jeff Williams, and your favourite animal is, I think... It's definitely the platypus. <laughs> Which is kind of handy because you're from the Australian Platypus Conservancy, right? And you've just been doing here a talk at the ANU. And what's the current status of the platypus population in Australia? Okay, the platypus has recently been classified as near-threatened. Now, that basically means that we're ringing a few alarm bells because the platypus has declined in many places and we really don't have a good handle on exactly what's going on in the wild. This is a species which has been quite difficult to study and we don't have very much information about how populations are doing. So we've just launched a new project called the Australian Platypus Monitoring Network which gives people the opportunity to get involved in checking how their local platypus are doing by looking for them and recording when they see platypus and when they don't. Very simple system, doesn't need a lot of time. People just scan for five to ten minutes a day at each site they choose and go out as many times a week as, as they can. It's a very simple system to enter the data through a website and an app we've got and we know from the pilot studies we've been doing for the last ten years, this really enables us to get an idea of how platypus are doing in in particular places and you get feedback on what your your population is doing so that's great so so there you go the first thing about uh you need to know if you're going to help a species is where are they how many are there but before we go back into that what's your favorite fact about platypus well, I guess the favourite thing about the platypus is their amazing electroreception system in the bill. Now, that's a big way of saying what they've got is a special scanning system that helps them find their food. They hunt things like uh, aquatic invertebrates about up to about the size of a yabby. Every time those little critters move, they produce a tiny, tiny flicker of electricity. And the platypus electroreception system is a scanner that picks that up. So the platypus, instead of relying on its eyes or its ears for finding its food, relies on this special sixth sense. And I just think that's amazing. And, of course, they are the most beautiful-looking animal. <laughs> are there any other animals in the kingdom that we know of that have something that's similar to this? The only, uh, I used to be able to say there was nothing quite like the platypus electroreception system. Uh, they recently discovered a few years ago that a species of river dolphin in South America has something similar, although it's not exactly the same. So it's something that's pretty special, and we still don't really know exactly how it works. And we're also not sure whether it helps the platypus navigate underwater. We do think possibly that it uses this system for picking up uh, changes in electrical current as as the water flows around rocks and so on, and that helps the platypus guide itself around underwater, where basically it's swimming around with its eyes closed. So it's sort of a uh, an electronic sonar, really, or, or a radar. I wonder, do we know much about how it actually works? Because it must be a very subtle mechanism. Yeah, interestingly, we don't know a lot about it. Um, basically, it was only really confirmed in the 1980s. Uh, prior to that, there'd been sort of... People thought there must be something going on because you could tell platypus were swimming around with their eyes closed. So the question was, how did they find their food? And so eventually, after a lot of studies at Monash University, they, they were able to demonstrate that 
the platypus has got this system and that a very large amount of his brain is given over to receiving these signals coming in. So it's about the same percentage of our brain is given over to, to getting signals from our hands. So it's a, it really is what the platypus depends on. But we don't know much more about it. That research... Uh, concluded in the 1980s. Uh, I have to be honest and say it was fairly invasive sort of research which involved you know, putting electrodes in brains and that sort of thing, which we don't do anymore now. The, 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 the ethics committees probably wouldn't allow that sort of work to be done now. As a result, we don't know any more now about the system than we did in the 1980s, and we probably never will. Uh, I, I wonder if there's a really fundamental bit of science research or, or some revelations that would come from this because other things like uh, bats with their sonar but uh, maybe that's something for the future and I guess it's a very handy thing for an animal that's swimming through muddy waters right is that the kind of habitat they prefer they occur in all sorts of waters but they certainly do occur in in quite muddy conditions and so that's why having a system that isn't based on visual uh, methods is is quite important to them so yes look this this system is is quite unusual and undoubtedly uh, there may be applications that uh, would come out of it if we could study it more but I think a lot of people would uh, agree that uh, we don't really want to carry out the sort of you know, highly invasive type research that was done in the past. I think we've moved along a long way from an, an animal ethics point of view since then. Well, well we, we definitely don't want to harm our platypus. What, what are the main threats to them now? Well, the platypus has declined a lot because we've, being honest, have made a bit of a mess of our river systems over the last 200 years. Um, we all know about the pollution and the, the, the problems with flows along our rivers and the loss of native vegetation. I think we've turned the corner on that one, hopefully, and we're starting now to put a lot of effort into improving our waterways again, and groups like Landcare and so on are getting involved in big projects to try and improve our waterways. I think the th threats now to platypus are coming from more direct things. Unfortunately, people are still the biggest killers of platypus, and unfortunately a lot of platypus die as a result of the fact that we put a lot of litter in our waterways. In some creeks in Melbourne where we did studies, one in three platypus had something or other caught around them, and that was often fatal, particularly stuff like fishing line, if people allow bits of fishing line to... And you mentioned the opera house nets. And then the other thing is there are all sorts of fishing practices which uh, are, some irresponsible people do. The vast majority of anglers are responsible, but unfortunately there's always a minority of people, and one of the big problems has been opera house yabby traps and other sorts of enclosed yabby nets which platypus get into and drown and they, they are known in, un, under some circumstances they kill multiple platypus there was an occasion last year where one of these enclosed traps killed seven platypus yes seven do you know uh, what the state of the min has been in the uh, there's been a big fish kill in the Murray Darling system recently in the news do you have any evidence about how that's affected the platypus population there no, look, unfortunately we don't know specifically about platypus and again it comes down to one of the problems that we need a lot more people collecting a lot more information about the species. Um, we really don't have good baseline data in many areas and the Murray is a good example where despite the Murray-Darling Basin Plan being produced at the cost of many, many millions of dollars, not a single dollar was spent on research on the platypus populations in, in the Murray-Darling Basin Plan and as a result we don't have 
the basic data to say that when something like this happens, like a fish kill, is it also having knock-on effects to the platypus? Yeah, I think it's, it would be a fair guess that it has had a big effect on them. Now, you are looking for people to help monitoring the population and you gave us some links at the start. If somebody wants to help the Australian Platypus Conservancy by uh, watching the rivers, your favourite piece of river, tell me again where you go. Very simple. You go to a website called the Australian Platypus Monitoring Network. And if you go there, it's a very simple uh, website to uh, navigate your way around. You can find the details of how to get involved, how to register and also how to submit your data. And once you do, you get feedback on what you're finding. So it's a very rewarding system both for you but also for the platypus. Well, there you go, and we can all do our little bit. Oh, one last mention. I've got to mention, say, before I say goodbye, and that is one of my favourite creatures is the so-called water rat or the rakali. Uh, do you want to say a quick word in favour of our beautiful water rats? <laughs> <laughs> yes, my, my second favourite animal after the platypus is the rakali or Australian water rat, uh, a native species, I stress that, although it is a rat, it's a native mammal, it's a very attractive animal, it's the equivalent of the otter in terms of its uh, niche in the, the environment in Australia, it has many otter-like features, so a very attractive animal, and if you do see one, we encourage people to report sightings to us because we're currently carrying out a survey of the species in the Greater ACT region, and that will then help to to plan the conservation of that animal. Ah, oh, well, there you go. Well, I've recently, in the last week, seen two in Lake Ginandera, so I'm really pleased about that. And, Jeff Williams, thank you very much for your time tonight. Thanks, Rod.